1: It's time for Clipson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, set. Just call me Swanee. Tiger Style. Tiger Style.
2: Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello everybody, Lawton Swan back in the saddle. Once again, it is the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk for you each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state of South Carolina and beyond. Listening to us on incredible radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400, the Midlands, or around the world on the iHeart Radio app. Download today. It is free. The website, put the dot com on it. Doggone it, that's ClemsonSportsTalk.com. 803-450-0086. 803-450-0086. I know late in the program yesterday, we talked a little bit about Nick Saban and uh, his situation and the decision that he made, um, according to reports, to tell a couple of guys that wanted to negotiate to come to Alabama to basically kick rocks. And it got me thinking over the past 24 hours, like, how powerful it is to have a guy like Nick Saban. You know, a guy like Nick Saban who has been criticized by, say, Jimbo Fisher, about the way he runs things, it's still very powerful to have Saban out there saying, "Look, that's that's not the way it's going to work," and it it truly, it truly got me, gave me this level of hope that down the road we are going to see whether it's the NCAA, whether it's some other entity, we're going to see a leveling. Of, of what's going on with NIL and, and the transfer portal. Like, I, I truly think it's going to get better. Like, there are a lot of people out there that they'll say you, you can't really put that genie back in the bottle, but I think you still can because I think you can revamp it enough and even institute basically a new collegiate model, if you will, that kind of brings things around, brings things full circle. And I think that's important because I think it is incredibly, incredibly sad that we took something that was supposed to be beneficial and we turned it into just direct pay-for-play scenarios at the collegiate level, which I, I think is, was the fear of probably everybody when the model got put together. Now, according to ESPN, Florida does not expect any type of NCAA inquiry into the quote-unquote recruitment of four-star quarterback Jaden Rashada. And they do not expect an NCAA investigation, according to Billy Napier. Napier sidestepped questions about Rashada yesterday. Of course, Rashada signed with Florida back in December. Only to be granted his release last month following a failed name, image, and likeness deal worth more than $13 million. Napier repeatedly said NCAA rules prohibited him from providing details. Napier said, and I quote, I wish we could get into the specifics, but we're not allowed to. I think the reality is the current structure of NIL with third parties being involved, with agents being involved, with marketing representatives, with lawyers and collectives is very fluid and i think a very unique dynamic. And i think more than anything, Billy, to be honest with you, you're talking about th- this is like the this is like the Niagara Falls of of just trouble brewing. When really what we want is just a bottle of water. You know what i mean? Like we just want a little bit of restriction, control, safety for the player. You say, like, well, how is it how is it not safe for the player, Swanny? So, I mean, how is this not safe for the player? Well, I gotta tell you, like when you when you go to like the NFL level, right, when you're making thirteen million dollars a year, guess what you tend to have? You have like a staff. You have people around you. Like Floyd Mayweather rolls with like three or four uh you know um almost henchmen, bodyguards, protectors Do you think that that type of money wouldn't immediately make a kid on a college campus a target, not just for other kids on the college campus, but people in communities? It's not to say that there's never been millionaires who have played college sports. I mean, there have been plenty of players whose fathers were athletes, and I'm sure that they were targeted in some way, shape, or form. But when you start to talk about placing this type of coin in the pockets of 18-year-old young men do you, you you know what like and I'm not, I'm not trying to in, insinuate that somebody that gets that kind of money is going to have 100 grand laying around their dorm but it's also not outside the realm of possibility of the stupid things that young kids would do and if it's not 100 grand maybe it's 20 But you know what I didn't have? You know what wasn't in my dorm collectively? Probably $20,000 in the building. And I'm talking about all of Johnstone F. All floors. You could have probably taken every dime we had in that building that was in the building, actually. And you wouldn't have had $20,000. Now that might be a stretch. There may have been some Yehus rolling around with a couple of hundred in their pocket. But most of us were just going beans and rice, rice and beans. We were going ramen noodles. You were lucky if you were on the unlimited meal plan. You might have had some quarters for your laundry. But who who in their right mind that makes decisions on these things thinks that this scenario that we currently have, as Billy Napier said, and again, it's not even that Billy Napier was really poo-pooing it. it was just he's giving that, he's telling you. You've got third parties. You've got agents, marketing representatives, lawyers, collectives. On and on and on. And we think it's a good idea. We think it's smart. This is the part of the collegiate. Let's just take it for a second. Whether you went to college or not. let, Let me just explain. The collegiate experience is everything that movies make it out to be. Away from home. Finding yourself. Making friends. Being, being able to make decisions that are good and or bad. Waking up for class. Taking showers. Making sure your teeth are brushed. Like the little things your parents have carried you through your life. All of a sudden you have to do on your own. Oh, but now you, you can do it with 13 million dollars. You can do it with $4 million. And you, you, you don't have to worry. I mean, nobody certainly nobody's going to key your car, egg your car, if you're driving a Ferrari. Think, McFly, think. We've taken these, these individuals that were on these campuses that were already held in, in, a, in an, a, a higher esteem by a lot of people because of who they were given benefits, clothes, shoes, education, food, tutors, housing, all the things that came with college for, for, for these athletes that was, that was justified based off of what they produced. And we turned it into the, all of that on, the, on, on one hand, and now money. And, and, and money, unlike any of these kids, well, 99.9% of these kids have ever seen. Access to the ability to, to go. They were already going on trips during the spring break that you and I and your friends couldn't have found a way to get to or your parents certainly wouldn't have sent you. you know, I don't know how, whether they were... you know pooling their money, um, you know whether they were selling tickets. I, I have no idea how they were making the money, whether they were getting $500 handshakes. But it wasn't what this is becoming. And that to me, that to me is the structure that has to be changed, not to save the sport, But it's definitely going to lose a lot of people when the players don't have that one thing that keeps you going back every year to Clemson games and keeps you going back every year to South Carolina games and keeps you going back to Florida games and Georgia games or wherever you go, whoever you love. And that is the relationship of being a student at the school and a part of the school, population and the student body and going to labs with other kids. And I think Dabo Sweeney also nails it. I think he also nails it when when he talks about when we de-emphasize graduation. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you, if you knew that without graduating college, you at eighteen could be an athlete collegiately, and and be given a contract for thirteen million for playing uh, at your school. How many of you, honestly, would even care about getting your degree at that point? I mean, I'm no Einsteiner. I'm no great mathematician on the air, but I can tell you this. If you gave me six million, if you gave me six million dollars when I'm eighteen years old, right? And you just kind of break it all down and you go, okay, at 18, if you lived another sixty years until you're seventy-eight, and that's not a terrible, terrible amount of time. That's a hundred. That's dollars a year. That's $100,000 a year if you just got half of what Rashada was going to get. Do you guys live right now comfortably off of $100,000 or less a year? How many of you out there are making hundred grand and just struggling to get by? Probably not many. Those of you that are making six figures a year and again, this is 60 years without doing anything else for a living. Taxes, Swanee, yes, I get it. But again, invest it, do it right, live modestly for 20 of those years, you know, until you're 38. Think about being retired basically your entire life just doing whatever you wanted to do. Maybe you go into coaching and supplement that. I mean, this is life-changing money that you're handing players before they even get through college. What about professional golfers? Ah, you said it, professional. What about other professional players? Right, professional. The collegiate model has never been designed to be a professional model. And name image and likeness does not create professionalism, but it creates a disparaging wage gap, if you want to call it that, between the top guys and 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 the bottom and even like offensive linemen and other players that aren't deemed as as significant to the success of a program to the point of where if I am a junior at at Florida and I'm an offensive lineman, Jaden Rashada, when I see him in the locker room, and I know he's getting, you know, thirteen million over four years, uh, Jaden, if you want things to go well for you out there, you're gonna have to grease my pocket a little bit. Like I can't imagine players just going, "Yeah, you know what? He's a multimillionaire. I'm gonna go out there and block for him." You say it happens in the NFL, Swanee. Sure it does. I get it. Because the guys in the NFL who are great make a lot of money. And they want to win. And they understand that that quarterback is the key to their success. Well, don't the guys in college want to win, Swanee? Yeah, but you know what? They want to eat. They want to meet girls. They want to drive fancy cars, too. Their little NIL deal where they're just pitching Cheetos for $3 every week, that ain't cutting it. And eventually the money's going to dry up. That's the other problem. The money that funds professional sports comes off of the backs of contracts that the owners... And businesses that the owners have that make money that they put back into the business that they own, which is the franchise. Do you know what the biggest givers to Clemson NIL don't have? Any ownership stake in the corporation. All they get out of it is the wins and the losses. Just like you. If you don't give anything, they get the wins and the losses. Do they, they, you think when the franchise sells, they benefit? There is no selling of the Clemson franchise. Do you think they get kickbacks off of the television contracts? There's no such thing. The money is going to dry up from NIL because people can't give forever to something that's not generating funds for what they do. They can't continue down that path. If you own a car dealership and you get a kid to come and, and, and be a part of your dealership, that's one thing. Especially if people start coming because he's advertising for you. But it's quite another to believe that people are going to continue to pour into collectives based on what? Hoping to get a football? It's just not a sustainable model. It will last for a while. My hope is it gets changed. But ultimately, I think the system is going to have to be completely revamped to the point of where the guy at the top gets the same as the guy at the bottom but it's more than they would get working a 9 to 5 right out of high school. And how could you complain with that? You know if you take the average wage at Chick-fil-A and you go $15 an hour, you know, you're just being reasonable. I see these signs. I don't know what they give you at Chick-fil-A, but I see the sign, you know, it's $15 an hour. If you're working an 8-hour day, you're working a 40 Forty-hour week, or whatever. I mean, that's like six hundred dollars a week. You know, you you do it monthly. That's like twenty-four hundred bucks a month. That's what you get if you're working a pretty good job as a kid at Chick Fil A every month before taxes. So take that number, make the players feel good, double it to five grand a piece if that's what you want. And most of you're going, "Holy cow, Swanny!" I'm not bringing in 5 grand a month. Well, guess what? That system is a heck of a lot better than what we got going on right now. Just being honest with you. You know? Now, and again, that's 5,000 not after taxes. That's what like 60 grand a year. Everything you've got from your education to your shoes to your clothes to your food, all that's already on, on. This is sixty grand a year on top. What player in their right mind would complain if from top to bottom everybody got that? Who would complain? The top guys? The Jaden Rashadas? You could just sum that up as maybe the spoiled kids. The ones who think their value is so great. Well, you know what? Go earn that money. At the collegiate level. And prove it by being drafted in the NFL. Like Work towards it. Just getting to college and getting the big check. Makes absolutely no sense to anybody that has common sense. You don't like it? 803-450-0086. We had a quick break. Stay with us for more of the show. The Shakes the Southland. Rolling along on a Thursday. The show that shakes the south line. Okay, so I, I want to put something else out there, too. And and again, you can hit this up. You know how. I don't want to stay on NIL all day. I don't want to stay on it. And I know the transfer portal is a problem as well, which is why I've kind of established the double-edged sword where you have to establish yourself at the school before you benefit off a of name, image, and likeness. Oh, you want to transfer? Sure, by all means. But you have to sit a year. Are you, or, or excuse me, you can't benefit from name, image, and likeness your first year, or you could choose to sit a year. It's up to you. Or you can go play there and not take money. And and I think those are good, rational choices that players should be able to make when it comes down to transferring. Well, I'll sit, but I want two years to benefit. Sit and benefit. There we go. We call it the sit and benefit plan. That came right off the top of the dome while we're sitting here today. All right, so with that, i wanna I, I i wanna hear this okay from from the other side whoever you are
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: That thinks these players...
2: Like, if you think this system is right, I want to know why. Why do you think this system is right? Does anybody believe that this model is sustainable? Again, if I'm the owner of a franchise and I'm paying the money for these players to come and play the benefit that I need is wins and ticket sales and excitement and, and television deals and all that that comes along with it. How is that sustainable at the collegiate level if Clemson can't be the one that directly pays the player? You see what I mean? Like all the television contracts, all the money, all of the perks and all of the things that Clemson is able to dump into athletic facilities and this, that, and the other – uh, that's all well and good or what they give back to clemson that's all well and good or what they create uh, in, in i guess i guess ipte technically comes from the people but how do you sustain this model and not have ipte just collapse or any other entity where you want people to give how do you how do you run ticket prices up at clemson and stick your hand out and ask for money to bring in better players At some point, people will stop. But I would love to stop giving. I would love to hear somebody. And listen, I'm going to give this number out again. And you, listen, you right now, go gather your pen, whatever you have to do. If you actually have a logical reason how this is going to work over the long haul, what we currently have. Like, is there a person out there? Is there some NIL uh, leader Going, man, Swanee, this is the way it's going to be, and this is going to work, and this is a sustainable model, and this is why. And this is good for all athletes, from the bottom of the bench to the top. Is there anybody out there? Have you heard anybody? Matter of fact, I'll give you this and I'm not, I'm not throwing it in my Google machine because I don't want to give these people any credit, but if you've heard it or you've seen it or you've read about it, somebody said this and you went, man, that is that is smart. Please put me onto that. Like, I'm the guy, if I got a problem around the house, I, I'm going to figure it out. So, like, my heater, my heater in the attic, um, about a year ago, when I was dealing with COVID, it was a little wishy-washy, and and we get the and we get the report from our nest, and it would say, "Well, your heater was on, but the temperature dropped. You should probably check that." And I'm like, "I don't even. How how is that happening?" And so I started digging into it and looking and trying, and 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 I found some videos online, and the guy said it could be this thing and uh, a faulty flame sensor, and so. I I watch his, the the heater run and do the thing it does. Then I go up to mine in the attic and I watch it. A little nervous, but I watch it. I'm like, that's exactly what m- my heater is doing. Took out the one little screw that's in there. Pulled out the the little temperature thing. Followed the instructions online. You know, kind of. Sanded it down with sandpaper. Make sure not to get the oils of my finger on it. Wiped it down with a cloth. Put it back in. Boom goes the dynamite. Working perfect. And so, I'm somebody that wants to learn. And if you've seen a video or heard somebody say this is how and why the, the the current model of NIL would work over the long haul? Pass it my way. I'm not, I'm not, my dad used to say I was too big for my britches, but I'm not. I'm not. My britches still fit just fine, dad. But <laughs> But but if you would send me the links that prove you know, and I, again, I'm not going to sit here and do the homework. If you've heard it, you know it. You wrote it. You read it. You saw it. You, you let me know. Even if it's your buddy, you know, at, at the water cooler at work, you guys are talking about the nil. You say oh, I don't like it. He goes, Oh, listen. Here's the great thing about nil, and this is why it's a sustainable model. Let me know eight zero three. Grab your pen eight zero three. 803-450-0086. If you did not get a pin, catch the podcast. You can go right back to this moment. I must say it again. 803-450-0086. Prove to me, tell me how NIL is a sustainable model. And it was a topic of conversation yesterday because it was national signing day. And I don't believe. Now, I love the early signing period. I know Dabo Sweeney talked about it. Matter of fact, uh, we'll play some of what Dabo Sweeney had to say yesterday about the early signing period when we get back. And again, that joint press conference with Dabo Sweeney and Garrett Riley, 100% available on ClemsonSportsTalk.com from start to finish. Go check it out today. All right, we'll hit a break. We'll bounce back. I'll let you hear Dabo Sweeney and his thoughts on on the early signing period and how he would like to see things changed for the better. Again, my suggestion on the NIL is for the better. And if that means we have to completely um, build a new system to rein it back in, in, in terms of the NCAA to some other collegiate athletic model, that's what we have to do. Stay with us. The People Show. Clemson Sports Talk right here on Fox Sports Radio, 1400. Of course, heard around the world on the iHeart Radio app yesterday. Dabo Sweeney, Garrett Riley, uh, the Clemson staffers met with the media to talk about Clemson's recruiting class. By the way, we'll play some clips uh, coming up in hour number two from some of the coaches during the signing day event. But Dabo Sweeney was asked about the early signing period and and how he would like to see it changed and of course if you've been here with us you know he wants it moved up he'd like to see it august the first it's
0: i wish they'd move it up earlier uh, that's the only thing I would change if I could change it i wish they'd make it august 1 uh, or either after August one of your senior year you can sign any anytime you want you know if they fire the head coach or the head coach leaves and then you can you're not bound bound to it i mean I personally i wish they would do that because i think it it would, it would protect the high school recruiting. High school recruiting is is in a bad spot right now. Um, you, know, you got a lot of kids that were getting offers that aren't getting offers, and you got a lot of kids that are committed, that all of a sudden don't have a spot anymore once the portal opens. And uh, so, I wish they would. I, I, I've always wanted an early signing period, so it's been great. I mean, our guys were committed since the summer, outside of a couple guys. So it's just a, it was it wasn't it was easy, um, but. Um, They would have all signed earlier if you you let them. So I wish they'd move it earlier because it would protect a lot of young people. It would protect high school recruiting. It would cut out a lot of these fake offers. Uh, And, uh, you know, and probably help some coaches too because they might give them another year if they got a good class signed up and knowing that if they make a change, then those guys are basically free agents again. So uh, it's worked well for us. We haven't had any issues. I, I know there's a lot of stories out there, but it's... It's been uh, it's been great for us. Do you feel like there's any momentum to move it up earlier? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. Um, you know, uh, there's 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 probably some people want to move it back, you know, because they want to see what happens in the portal before they make true commitments to the high school kids. So um, it's probably it's probably argument on both sides, depending on who you ask, but. Um, you know I, I would like to see it move up just because again i think it would it would protect the high school aspect of it and secure kids spot and uh you know that way you know they, they're not scrambling in the 11th hour because you know now they don't have their spot anymore uh so uh and and again a lot of these guys won't just get it they want to get it over with they want to have it i mean all the guys we've signed would have signed in the summer if we'd have let them and you know, there's we're the only sport that didn't have an early signing period and uh, when they said it in december again a lot of us wanted it earlier they said you know to me they should either leave it where it is or move it to at least november uh to give guys opportunity to sign so but as far as you know how it's worked for us it's been it's been really good
2: dabo sweeney again yesterday up in Tigertown. and and to his point what i was saying uh, also in the in the show yesterday is like when you take into account at, at some point for recruits who want to go to Ole Miss and they see how many guys they take from the portal. Well, in in some at some point there's gonna be a kid. Who says, eh, you know what? I would come to Ole Miss, but I'm afraid you'll go and, and over recruit me. You know, like I'm looking at your depth chart today and I'm thinking, man, they need a wideout. out. I'm committed, I'm coming. And then a week after I'm signed, you're inking deals with guys out of the portal. To fill that spot that I I committed to come to Oxford to play. So it's going to become a negative. You know for, for coaches. If they're doing that. I, I don't know how. An early signing period. Necessarily affects it. But because a spot could always open, right? Like a, a wideout could decide to go pro early and, and that would open up a potential spot where somebody comes in over you. But I think the, the feeling of, you know, having it happen after you've signed so late in the process. And that should be the other thing. Like, I I don't think they need to be binding commitments for a specific amount of time. Uh, That was something I brought up here on the program a couple of weeks ago. Like, You know, maybe you get one month, it's kind of like a return policy, you know what I'm saying? Um, You get one month from the date that you sign to uh, back out of it, and to me, and you say, well, Swanee, that's no more important and significant than the word, hey, I'm committed to this school. But I think for the most part when you put your name on paper and you, you actually sign something versus just saying it I mean to me it would make it much more difficult to back out because I put my name down but if I felt like I was wronged in some way then I would back out. You know i say look man they did, me, they did me wrong. They told me this and that happened. I don't know what the great answers are. I, I and again, if you have seen a reason that NIL would be amazing, let me know. Or the reason that NIL is should be beneficial to just a handful of student athletes, I'm all ears. Let me hear it. But until I get that message, I mean, my point's going to be the same. Equality across the board for these players is better than a top percentage getting a ton. Especially when we're all living in dorms on campuses at these schools, and you're making thirteen million dollars, and I'm supposed to believe that you're going to roll around campus with Mo, Larry, and Curly protecting you? Nah, that that just doesn't make sense. And I certainly wouldn't expect somebody with that kind of money and jewelry and all that to uh, you know to to just want to be on their own. I would think they would want protection. But what kind of college existence is that? Exactly. It's not. And we've got to get back to the the, the situation where it is a college existence. One other way you could do it, and it would be interesting to see if this would hold water. Thought about it. I'll tell you exactly the way that I think you could maybe fix all of this with just one thing and one thing only. I'll tell you what that is when we get back. Stay with us. Final segment of hour number one here on the program coming up Tim Beret joins the show. Plus we got some recruiting updates for you in hour number two. I mentioned before the break, you know, a, a way to fix this. And and I don't know, like I'm 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 not a lawyer. I mean I am watching the Murdoch trial or excuse me, the Murdoch trials. And so I'm watching that and I'm not a lawyer. But I do feel like a lawyer out there could tell me whether or not a new system in and of itself would be legal. You know, forget the NCAA for a second and just start up some sort of collegiate association, whatever it is. And this collegiate association would not be involved in a situation or support professional leagues not allowing players to go pro right out of school. And they should stand in the face of the NBA, the NHL, uh, the, the, the NFL, Major League Baseball, whoever. Anybody that wants to say, no, nah, you, can't, you can't come play in this league right out of high school, they all say, no, I'm sorry. You have, the, you have every right not to draft them. You have every right not to take Trevor Lawrence out of high school. But you have no right to keep him from having the opportunity to attempt to play professionally right out of high school. Now, you say to me at that point, well, Swanee, do you really want to see high school kids turning pro? Do you really want to see high school kids trying to make it into the NFL? And I, I tell you, I don't. But what I think an open system like that would create, what I think... A system where the NFL welcomed high schoolers. Please, if you think you're good enough, come play. The NBA, all of the professional leagues in our country, I think that if they were in a scenario where they were literally forced to allow players to have that option, to go pro right out of high school, it would make all the difference in the world for college sports.
3: Well, look at what
2: we have here. And the thing is, is that at that point, and again, I'm not a lawyer, I would assume that colleges, as a part of the scholarship process, could build into it that by choosing to go to college, you are forfeiting your right to finances based off of what you could get if you had gone professional. Meaning that college would now be a choice instead of something that is essentially forced on these student athletes. College, The college path would be one that you would have to select. And, and, and by all means, who is going to argue Who amongst you would stand up and argue that if a player willingly chose to not try their hand at the professional ranks and went the ranks of the amateur model, who among you would argue that they should be deserving of some sort of incredible financial gain? $13 million. Now again, if that same league wanted to set up something where everybody that played or had a scholarship was compensated with their scholarship, which is a lot, and $5,000 a month or whatever number we want to put on it, $20,000 a year. I don't care what that is, quite frankly, but the the broader point being that by partnering or working with or whatever... By just flat out saying, you have the right to go pro. If you choose to come to college, this is what the system is going to be. How can you stand against that? How can anybody say, oh, well, that's, that's too bad for the player. Well, if it's too bad for the player, tell them to take their happy little rear ends to the pros. Go play professionally. Well, What if they do good after one year? Well, go play professionally. What if they do good after 6 months? Hey, you know what? Who cares? Go play professionally. I mean, if you really believe and if a, a professional team believes that you're good enough, you go into college as a freshman, it it, it almost becomes a a developmental league for the pros. And you just don't hold anybody's feet to the fire of you are forced to stay. You can always leave to go pro. How is that? I mean, how is that wrong? Like, if you go to college and you take a class uh, about computer programming and you figure out how to make Minecraft or Fortnite or something in your dorm room or Facebook, you have every right to drop out and work on your project. I mean, let's not take away opportunity here, but let's also not give countless riches to students out of high school who haven't done anything at the collegiate level. And that, I think, would be a system that would be manageable. My hunch is it would be completely legal. I mean, if if you... Say, hey, look, I'm going to go to college, and I understand that I don't get paid. There you go. Good to go. 803-450-0086, text line, phone line. Again, be a part of the program anytime, place, and, of course, anywhere over on our website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Put the dot com on it. Doggone it. And come hang out with us. And, again, coming up in hour two, Legendary Clemson SID Timber A joins the program. And we've got some we've got some news for you uh, on the recruiting front as well. Clemson basketball getting ready for their matchup against Miami coming up this weekend. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com.
3: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
3: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody.
1: So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: And uh, it's not a, quote, must win, but it certainly feels like a big ball game for the Tigers inside a sold-out Little John Coliseum. Stay with us.
1: It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, set. Just call me Swanee. Tiger time. Tiger time.
2: Is our number two. That's drive time right here on the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson sports taught Lawton Swine. Hanging out with you on a Thursday afternoon, a rainy Thursday in the Midlands of South Carolina. And uh, you know, we certainly appreciate each and every one of you being a part of the program as we get our good buddy Tim Barray set to join us here. Momentarily, we'll talk with Tim about everything going on in the world of your Clemson Tigers, including this Clemson Tiger men's basketball team as they look to bounce back against the Miami Hurricanes in what should be uh, a very excited Little John Coliseum on Saturday. Tim, welcome in. Hope you're doing well. I mean, are you anxious to see the environment that Clemson presents, uh, the fans and the students present uh, as the Miami Hurricanes come rolling into town?
3: Yeah, I know it's a tough ticket. I've had a lot of people ask me for tickets. and uh, So, yeah, I think it's going to be as tight a ticket as we've had probably in the last uh, five years.
2: Yeah, so much excitement around this Clemson Tiger basketball team. And I know things didn't go their way uh, up at BC. A strange stretch in the second half where they just couldn't put the ball in the basket, turning it over. You know, I think it's it's a little bit of an anomaly, you know, more so than something you're going to see consistently from this group. But what was so bizarre is that they're still in the game late. Like that was the thing that kind of blew my mind watching it unfold.
3: No, you're right. And, and you know, it, when this early in the season, I did talk to Brad about uh the difficulty of the Tuesday night road game after you've already had a road game on the weekend on Saturday. And the ACC has gone to a schedule which almost all the games are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. You might notice there are no Sunday games this year. They wanted to free up Thursday and Sunday for the women. and uh, But as a result, you get a few teams that have to go on the road Saturday and on the road Tuesday. And uh, we got a great win at, at Florida State. But I did sense the team was a little gassed on Tuesday night, and it was certainly reflected in the stats of the game. I don't know if you realize, but the, if you divide the, if you've divided the BC game up into quarters, Clemson shot 12 or 20 from the field in the first and third quarters and four for 32 in the second and the fourth quarters, which indicates, obviously, they got tired. And Clemson outscored B.C. by 18 points in the first and third quarters and got outscored by 26 in the last 10 minutes of the two halves.
2: I think the other thing that was, you know, I don't know. Look, I I don't get paid the money that that Brad Brownell does, obviously. But I also wonder, did you feel like getting Alex Hemingway back, kind of trying to work him into the rotation, maybe took a little bit of steam off of what we had seen from this Clemson team without him? Now, I'm not saying I don't want to see him out there, but just maybe it disrupted things at all with the rotation?
3: Well, uh, you know, you can have that theory. uh, You know, that theory goes back to, um, um, you know, with Duke a few years ago. um, What's the name of the guard? A place for uh, the, the Nets. Um, he was out for like the middle. Oh, Kyrie Irving. Games. Irving, yeah, he was out for the middle twenty-five games of the season. and They tried to bring him back for the NCAA tournament, and I think they got beat in the second round. And everybody says he just, you know, it just, you know, he scored twenty points in each NCAA game, but it just kind of threw the rhythm of the team off. But, but then again. You know, what about what about Chase Hunter coming back after missing four games, uh, against Florida State. He was basically the star That's of a good the game. Point. So um, so I mean in the long run they're certainly gonna be better off with with um Hemingway shooting. He did play fourteen minutes in the in the uh in the game, but um you know, they could have they couldn't used somebody you know, he only got one shot in the game. They could have used somebody to knock down the knock down, down something when an incredible uh, 0 for 17 from the 13 minute mark to the one minute mark. I, I don't know that I've seen a Clemson team do that in a number of years.
2: Again, Tim Murray joining us here on the Thursday afternoon, as he always does. And, and you're right. I mean, we've seen some droughts uh, in Clemson basketball history. That was uh, one of the more. I guess disappointing ones, kind of, given the way the season had gone for a lot of people. One thing I I will say, though, is uh, honestly, it it felt like for one of the first times this year, uh, the way the the post kid literally played in the post against PJ Hall, more so than maybe any player we've seen this year. uh, Just your traditional kind of a big man that that maybe p j couldn't maneuver as ran could not maneuver around as well as he would have liked as well,
3: yeah, you're right but but then again, post was in foul trouble uh for a good bit of that game, and you know p j um didn't make a field goal in the in the second half, so it was more than just post in their defensive alignment i mean Boston college really played well defensively, i thought um you, you just uh, Surely Clemson missed all those shots, but it wasn't like they were all wide open either. I think they aggressively defended Clemson in the post, and it certainly uh, uh, paid off for
2: them. And of course, Earl Grant, a protege of uh, Brad Brownell. So there's no surprise that defense uh, was the mindset. And again, uh, the Tigers falling by eight on the road at Boston College. But a, retur- a return trip to Little John Coliseum to take on the Miami Hurricanes and Tim, even with the loss, Clemsons still a half game up on Virginia, and, and to imagine that this team uh, is is still sitting at the top of the league going into this weekend, I, I don't know how many, you know, I know fans are, are short for fanatic, and a lot of people like to look at the football schedule and predict every game uh, as a successful victory for the Tigers. I don't think many people had this group sitting where they are today, uh, and and certainly who knows where it goes from here, but there's still so much to like, even in that loss and how ugly it was. I mean, this team's just built a consistency that I think a lot of fans really want to get behind and support,
3: yeah, I think so. They've been able to win games in different uh manners uh you know they've won a one point game fifty one to fifty they've won a one point game eighty two eighty one um, but they do, you know, even as much as I'd say, they looked at tired, but they still huffled. I mean, they were plus eight in the rebounding, you know, teams that, that are, you know, don't try hard or whatever, don't, don't out-rebound the opposition by eight. So they certainly tried hard. They just, uh, you know, at that streak where they just couldn't, couldn't make a shot, but they certainly, they, uh, they hustle and, and, you know, we saw that in the win over, uh, Florida state and um hopefully uh, you know prep- preparation time is important and to and to have uh, you know three days to prepare for for miami and then the next week will be very important i'll have the whole week to prepare for north carolina when they play in chapel hill
2: 16 of 16 from the free throw line as well one of the Bugaboos of Clemson basketball. Man, they just continue to, to do a really good job in that department. And if you go through that stretch in the second half where they weren't scoring, I mean, they were hitting their free throws when they were given the opportunity. And uh, you just don't see too many, too many of them like that. Again, Tim Beret hanging out with us here on the program today. And yesterday, Tim, it was uh, the National Signing Day, which I don't know that we've ever had a day in sports history that went from being. Christmas to uh, just kind of another day in the middle of the week than that one. Uh, But I I do want to talk about with you uh, about Garrett Riley's press conference. I, I put out the article yesterday. I absolutely loved when he said the offense, when he was asked to kind of describe it, when he used the phrase violent and fast. I don't know what violent and fast looks like in football, but I can imagine it, and I really like where I think it's going.
3: Yeah, I've never heard that terminology uh uh usually you stay violent for a de- for a defense but you know we've seen fast offenses uh before I mean at Clemson and, and other places and obviously that's uh you know that's what a lot of teams are are trying to do and uh, uh Riley has been really successful obviously at, at SMU and then you know to to uh take TCU to the National Championship games uh, score as many points as they did against uh, Michigan in the in the in the semifinal, and to take a guy nobody really heard of at the beginning of the season to second in the Heisman Trophy uh, balloting—that was uh, you know pretty amazing uh, stuff.
2: Well, and the other thing too that you know Dabo Sweeney alluded to was you know really it kind of feels like as much as as things went against Brandon Streeter in terms of the number of plays they ran against Tennessee and the the few amount of points they were able to put up, like it 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 did seem like, you know, Coach Sweeney and and, and I know uh, when when Jack Leggett was there and, and when uh, Monty Lee and you know all these coaches, right? They they have a, a self reflection and an evaluation at the end of a season. And I don't know if there's a change made if that game's just a little bit different, you know, if, if Clemson scores twenty eight points, uh, you know, something like that. I, I don't know that there's necessarily a change made because listening to Coach Sweeney yesterday, Tim, it sounds like this was made after a evaluation after the game in short, really short, a short amount of time uh, to make that move happen just after the national championship. I mean, the window is the thing that is so wild about this, this change, in my opinion.
3: You mean it happened so fast? Yeah, and, 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 I mean. And, and, yeah, there was nothing, uh, yeah, I mean, I never heard of any, uh, uh, you know, not that I'm around and the me this time mean, of the year, I'm with the basketball team more than I'm with the football team, but, um, yeah, I didn't hear anything about, um, you know, staff changes or, or or whatever. So, but I and I haven't asked Dabo whether hey, did, was a change made because the opportunity to get a great, you know, a guy, great resume guy uh, there. And and you do, you're right. I mean, you can go back to uh, 2011. Um, <laughs> you know, people forget in 2011 we won the ACC championship, 38 to 10 against the number three ranked. Virginia Tech team. I mean, Virginia Tech had a terrific offense that year, and we held them to ten points. And so, you know, going into that Orange Bowl, there was no way we we're going to change defensive coordinators. We just held the number three team to to ten points. And you might remember in the regular season that year, we held third-ranked Virginia Tech to three points. Uh, so those were outstanding numbers. And then we give up seventy in the in the bowl game. And so things change. So, you know, things change. You pe- people talk about these non playoff bowl games don't mean anything. Well, they're wrong. They mean a lot because they give your, you know, your overall impressions of your program at the end of the season and what it's going to be you know, going forward. And so it leads to an evaluation, but it is a bit ironic <laughs> that that evaluation happened after we, had I believe the second most plays in the history of Clemson football in a in in a, in a game. We just couldn't punch it in the end zone. The the red zone just uh, which had been so good all year. Um, right, and, uh, right didn't come to fruition.
2: Yeah, it was uh, the whole the whole thing. And listening to to Coach Sweeney kind of go through it after those guys have had a few weeks to go out and recruit and and all that. It was just uh, the, to hear the timeline because I think everybody anticipated that it would be a a lot. A, a lot bigger window that that window might've been uh smaller than the one uh, that Chase Bryce had to throw on, uh, that fourth down conversion against Syracuse back in the day. It's just a tight, tight window for Dabo Sweeney uh, to make this move. But I, I really like, you know, I will one.
3: say, I will say something about Brandon uh, too, is it also shows you how uh, expectations change over time. You know, in 2011, in Chad Morris's first year as offensive coordinator, we averaged 33.6 points a game. We won the ACC championship. We won 10 games and finished 22nd in the final poll. This year with first-year offensive coordinator, Brandon Streeter, we averaged 33.2 points a game, just 0.4 points less than we did in 2011. won wow. 11 games, won the ACC championship, and finished 13th in the final poll. There wasn't a bandwagon big enough for Chad Morris and Brandon, Brandon Streeter getting fired.
2: <laughs> That's why we bring him on, Tim Berrey, dropping some knowledge there on uh, the Clemson Tiger faithful. And it is—it's the—it's the hard part. I mean, of, of of success, and and I think the climb to the top is always the fun part. Maintaining your your leverage at the top uh, is the other. But then, when you maybe slide back just a little bit, it does. It it feels like the bottom's falling out for a lot of people, and there's a lot of pressure. I I also thought that that Garrett Riley made a good point. You know, he was asked about feeling that pressure as a first year coordinator at Clemson because of the success, and he said, you know, look, we don't get into this business, you know, not recognizing how much pressure there can be.
3: Yeah. No. I no. You're, you're right, and he, he overall—I mean, he overall he evaluated himself in you know, a Clemson situation. He obviously re, uh, recruited uh, Klubnik, and 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 feels he can be an outstanding quarterback. And when you look at the other players that we have got back, so I mean, he obviously thinks it's a good situation and a place that can be recruited to over over time. And and um, you know, say get back to what we were, but I mean. <laughs> We're 31-8 in the first three uh, years of this uh, this decade, and I think I read some we have the third most wins in the last three years in, in college football.
2: Tim Beret is on Twitter, at Tim Beret. Go follow him right now. Tim, last week, a week ago today, uh, in fact, we, we lost Billy Packer, one of the uh, icons of college basketball. His voice, when I was a kid on on CBS, just resonated. And I know for people, you know, maybe even a little bit older than me, remember him from uh, many days covering the Atlantic Coast Conference, and some even remember him playing in the league. Obviously, you have a great relationship with his son, Mark. Uh, what was his impact, in your opinion, on college basketball as a whole?
3: Well, you know, I always look at uh, uh, kind of evaluate announcers that did, did did i learn something every time I, I watched the broadcast and with billy packer you did you learned something about defenses or whether he had a story about the history of a program or something about uh one of the uh, young men playing for the respect of the team uh, whatever you learned something every time you heard billy packer do a game and, and you know and growing up and and uh uh, you know, when I was at Notre Dame, my last year, the best, you know, group in college basketball to broadcast the game was Al McGuire and Billy and and, uh, and Dick Enberg. And they were just uh, terrific. They were just so entertaining. I would have watched them do a high school game uh, if, it came, if it came on. So, um, you know, I just see I, that's the first thing that came to my mind how I would learn something every time I watched the game that he did.
2: Yeah, it was such a such a good storyteller, and and you know it all too well. Kind of being in your capacity there uh, at Clemson, what a, a job that is, and and what a privilege it all was for us to be able to enjoy him for so many years, uh, calling big, big NCAA tournament games, big basketball games uh, at the collegiate level. Tim Beret on Twitter at Tim Beret. again. The Tigers taking on the Miami Hurricanes Saturday, Little John Coliseum, all to be rocking. Tim, we always appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, insight and your, your thoughts and memories uh to the late great Billy Packer.
3: Great to be with you, Laden.
2: There you go, Timber, 803-450-0086, text line, phone line. Again, be a part uh of the show anytime. Yeah, Mark Packer, good friend of the program. Uh, as I mentioned, his father passed away uh Thursday night. And um this is the first time we've gotten a chance to talk with tim bray uh, about it uh, since his passing but but billy you know i, I think tim made a great point just kind of talking about the stories and and that's a, a huge part of the experience of the fan and and learning a little scoop along the way and, and he did that uh some people called it uh, unparalleled basketball knowledge is what you got from billy packer all right we'll hit a quick break I got a little recruiting note for you coming up here on the program as Clemson Sports Talk rolls along right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Of course, you can listen anywhere in the world on the iHeartRadio app, and then we cut them up, slice them up, dice them up, post them up over on our website as well. Say it with me now. Put the dot com on it. Dog on it. That's Clemson Sports Talk. Dot com. With a quick break, we'll come back with a little recruiting conversation for you as the Tigers might secure a pretty big fish tomorrow. And we'll tell you who, when, where, and why when we get back. Stay with us here for more of the show that shakes the Southland. Rocking and rolling along with you here on the program, Clemson Sports Talk, Lawton Swan. Hope you are doing well. 803-450-0086. That's the way you can be a part of the program. So tomorrow uh, could be a, a big day for the Clemson Tiger football team uh, as Walker White is set to make his commitment. Say my name. Now, if you don't get that reference, Walter White from Breaking Bad, what do they call him, Heisenberg. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, Heisenberg, Walt. Uh, now, now, see, now I can't even say it. Walker White. Uh, but the commit, Walter White, uh, expected to make his decision tomorrow. Step into the world of power, loyalty, White is a 6'3", 215-pound quarterback out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Goes to Little Rock Christian Academy. Uh, He's been recruited by Garrett Riley to Clemson. You got Baylor and Auburn uh, as some of the other teams uh, in the mix. Ole Miss as well. White attended Clemson's Junior Day this past weekend. uh, And things quickly Picked up, and it looks like this is going to be a positive outcome for Clemson for the four star quarterback. Uh, 247 composite ratings have him ranked as the 13th best quarterback, their overall ratings having as the 8th best quarterback in the 2024 recruiting class. So, again, it looks like a positive uh, outcome here for Clemson with the Little Rock. Christian quarterback Walker White set to make his commitment tomorrow around 3.15 Eastern time is when he will make his commitment known. So for the Tigers, it does look like uh, that they've got a chance uh, to land a a very, very skilled quarterback prospect, uh, White, telling 247 Clemson Uh, The whole staff welcomed him and his family, Uh, talked about getting a a chance to spend time with C.J. Spiller and Taj Boyd, Uh, talked about Coach Sweeney, the relationships, Um, coming down to Auburn, Baylor, and Clemson, though, uh, for his services, and the trend would seem to be that uh, this is going to be a positive outcome for your Clemson Tigers. 803-450-0086. Now, if you assume that White commits, uh, he would become the fifth commitment for Clemson in the 2024 class, along with Noah Dixon, four-star safety, the most recent commit uh, out of uh, LaGrange, Georgia. Christian Bentoncourt uh, out of Woodstock, Illinois, the tight end. Tavoy Fegan, cornerback out of uh, Tampa, Florida, and then Champ Thompson, who committed just a couple of days ago. So it will be the third commitment for Clemson since January the 28th. And so uh, the, the elite weekend, the elite junior day, seems to be um, pouring in dividends for Clemson as uh, it appears – and again, you never know; these things are very fluid. But it does appear uh, that there is a positive uh, indication. Matter of fact, a couple of people today, including Luke Winstall, uh, who covers recruiting force, reached out to me and said, "Looks like uh, this is you know this is going to happen. This is going to be you know, this is going to be uh, a real legitimate chance that Walker White's going to you know come to Clemson, commit to the Tigers, uh, fresh off of his visit." Putting together uh, an announcement for tomorrow about three fifteen. And so again, the uh outcomes look positive for Clemson right now when it comes to Walker White. Say my name. You know, I haven't I haven't gone back and uh <laughs> speaking of um Walker White. Uh, excuse me. Walter White. I haven't gone back and rewatched Breaking Bad, honestly. I mean, maybe I should. I thought it was a really great show. As a matter of fact, I put it up there with Sopranos uh, as one of the top shows I've ever seen. I, I still have Sopranos at the top. Uh, I've seen it three times. I probably need to give. Breaking Bad, another shot. I, I Not another shot like I didn't like it. I did. I had it, like I said, near the top. I, I didn't. I thought The Wire. I know a lot of people talk about The Wire. I watched it. Eh. Didn't really. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't terrible. I thought Boardwalk Empire, quite frankly, was better than The Wire. Um, Boardwalk Empire was amazing. But um, I, I did get back into The Walking Dead. Trying to, to get through that one, uh, finishing up the final three episodes probably over the next few days. Um, I, I I don't know how it ends. I hate when I when you just don't know how something's going to end or when it ends poorly. And I'm hoping we get a, a good result on that one. I I don't know what the best finish is, but I feel like I kind of know what I think it isn't. But yeah, Breaking Bad. If you if you've never seen it, it's about a well, I don't want really to give too much away. He's a high school teacher that you know basically breaks bad uh, in order to provide for his family. There, ha! Huh, subtle. Like I hate, I hate my wife. You know, back in the day when you had like a a video store and you'd go in and people would grab them and read the back. I hate that. My wife loves it. I hate it. She'll say, "Well, what's the movie about?" I'm like, "I don't want to know. I like going in blind." Like I watch one. Uh, yesterday called The The Age of Adeline had Harrison Ford in it. I happened to just catch a a glimpse of it on TikTok. And I was like, okay, this looks pretty cool. And I, I liked it. But again, the ending to me just left me wanting. But Breaking Bad I thought was a great series. Fantastic. Check it out if you get a chance. Again, Walter White, the main character, Walker White, the young man we expect to commit to Clemson tomorrow. 803 450 0086 text line phone line. Be a part of the show anytime, any place, anywhere. With a quick break, we'll bounce back with more right here on the show that shakes the Southland. Keep it locked on Fox Sports Radio 1400 and of course on the iHeart Radio app. It is the show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk. So honestly. I, you guys got me thinking during the break, and and I used to have this app. And the reason you guys got me thinking during the break is because we're talking about you know movies and shows. There used to be this app, um, that went away. And I know you're thinking, "Oh, well, that's great, great, great story, Swanee. No, for real. There's one app that I use uh, called "Just Watch," and what that does is it, it lets me find where shows are, right? Like you go in, you put in Breaking Bad, and it'll it, it will tell you where you can watch it for free, where you can stream it, where, where you can pay for it, whatever. like it gives you the locations on whatever service that you need. But there used to be one that let you track where you were in a series. And when I got my new phone, that app went away. And you're probably thinking, well, why is that important, Swanee? Because I used to, like, I I was sitting here thinking, like, I can't remember what my third favorite show is. Like I know Sopranos is one. I know Breaking Bad is two. I don't know. I don't know what's number three. And if you're wondering why I don't know, the answer is because that app that I used for probably four or five years, four or five years, is gone. And, and and that's the sad part, like of apps, right? Like sometimes if they're not, I guess, huge, they just eventually vanish. And I, I tried to find the name during the break. I didn't see it, and if I did see it, it 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 didn't hit me. You know what I mean? Like I it, I didn't look at it and go, oh yeah, that was definitely it. So I don't, even, I don't even know what the name of it was. And when I got my new phone, it, it wouldn't download because it didn't exist anymore. And you know what that meant? Adios to a great app. And adios to my memory of what my third favorite show is of all time. So now I've, I've really got to dig in deep. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dig in anymore here for you today. I just You got me thinking during the break because I brought up Boardwalk Empire. I know that's one I really like. But I don't know. I do not know. 803 86 Out of the world of college football today. North Carolina head coach Mack Brown signed a one-year extension today, keeping him with the Tar Heels through the 2027 season. The financial terms remain the same from the extension he received a year ago, which includes a new salary. Of five million dollars per five million dollars per season. Brown, of course, led North Carolina to the ACC championship game this past season, uh, and is thirty and twenty-two in four years since returning to Chapel Hill. Drake May, as we noted the other day, going through Clemson's schedule, uh, will be back at quarterback for the Tar Heels, but in a league where it is divisionless.
1: more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void rep prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See your website for details.
2: I think it's going to be mighty tough for uh, the Tar Heels to maybe surpass and climb past uh, Clemson and or Florida State. Most likely those two teams will face off twice this year. Just just my hunch uh, on that front. Also in the world of college football for our friends over at Texas A&M, they're probably pretty excited about the fact that they get, they will have a chance to watch Anias Smith play for a, another season. Smith announced earlier today that he will return to Texas A&M for a fifth year. He missed the majority of this past season after he broke his leg against Arkansas. Uh, he had been the Aggies' leading receiver before the injury, including a 164-2 touchdown performance in their season opener. Uh, that was against Sam Houston. Um, but for the Aggies, a team that I think, or more more or less, I think, uh, a coaching staff that's on one of the hottest seats in the country, uh, in Jimbo Fisher. Uh, they will get back uh, potentially one of their top wide top wide receivers. And as for the coaching hot seat and how hot is Jimbo Fisher's seat? Well, if you Look at the CoachesHotSeat.com website. The top seat or the hottest seat in town belongs to Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. But third on that list, Jimbo Fisher uh, at Texas A&M. So there you go, Jimbo. By the way, Mario Cristobal on the fifth hottest seat in the country. Brent Venables on the eighth hottest seat in the country according to the coach's hot seat. And again, I, you know, it is what it is. It is, uh, what it is. It's not, you know, it's not a legit, it's not a legit thing. Right. Um, but I mean, it's a measure that we've always kind of turned to and uh, just said, Hey, Hmm, who's where? And you saw quickly, Jeff Scott rise up on that list. And then boom, Jeff Scott gone. Well, Brent Venables, after one year, on the eighth hottest seat in the land. and Anytime I go to the hot seat, I do like to give you an update on where uh, the coaches in-state stand. Of course, Kirby Smart on the coolest seat in the country uh, with back-to-back national titles at Georgia. But according to CoachesHotSeat.com, Dabo Sweeney slides in on the 92nd hottest seat in the country. By the way, further down the list, cooler seat for Shane Beamer at South Carolina at 114. There you go. That's what it looks like uh, when it comes down to the hot seat coaches and it is a red alert for alarm fire going on in land. Stay with us. Final segment next. What have you done for me lately? It's a fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. Lucky for us at Clemson, the answer to the questions, what have you done for me lately and what have you done always, are the same. We win. Final segment on a Thursday. Thank you to Tim Bure for joining us earlier. Again, full audio will be in the podcast of that interview, not to mention yesterday's episode of the program where we gave you a ton of Garrett Riley and Dabo Sweeney, and we got all of that on the website as well. Clemsonsportstalk.com. So now with pretty much the entire 2023 football recruiting class in the books, You know, you start to turn your attention to 2024. I mentioned earlier, Walker White, we expect him to commit to Clemson tomorrow. Um, Would be surprised if that's not the choice, to be honest with you. But you never know. I mean, you got, time's winding down. But I I think that's where this is headed. Would be a good pickup for Clemson. Uh, But when you look at how much, you know, some of the... These guys are now expected to come in and and play and compete. You know, it is going to be interesting, I think, to see, and I I brought this up yesterday, how uh, transfer portal pro teams, if you will, you know, teams that are very positive on the portal and, and, and utilize it a lot, you know, if it does start to negatively affect them at all when it comes down to high school kids. And there are a ton of elite-level players out there that are, are are obviously keeping up with what's going on. And they see the way these rosters shift via the portal. And if you're watching it change, and you're one of the top guys in the country, do you want to... You know, do you want to trend down a, a path towards that university where ultimately your position could be, you know, over-recruited. I mean, I, I, and, and here's the thing about it, right? Like, it maybe we'll never have enough time for this to exist that it becomes something where there's data and data points to look at. But eventually, somebody out there is going to be crunching these numbers, publishing this information, and whether you've won back-to-back national titles or what, at some point, kids are going to say, you know what? And I'm not I'm not trying to insinuate here for Georgia fans. I'm just because they just won back to back national titles. You know that kind of um, that kind of success is in the back of my mind here. Georgia, as a matter of fact, didn't really utilize the transfer portal all that much um, yet. They're kind of like Clemson. They, they they haven't used it a ton. But if you did use it a lot and you had a high level of success, how does that start to be perceived? Um, by high school kids, do you want to go somewhere where they're going to go and bring somebody else in, or do you go somewhere that kind of shies away from the portal and allows players to come in and develop and earn their opportunity to play? Now, if you know you start to get those reports out, and you're a, a top player. You might, and you're down a, a couple of schools. I mean, honestly, you might shift where you're looking. And so I don't know how long this system's going to last, right? With the portal and NIL. And I, I you know, I kind of hope for change. But depending on how you run your program, will that start to affect you? I know Clemson uh, is in a good spot with several other prospects. I think they feel like they're in a really good spot with Sammy Brown. Uh, I think they've, put themselves in the mix with five-star Mike Matthews. We got a great article on him over on the website right now. I think uh, KJ Bolden, honestly hard not to say KJ Henry there. I think KJ Bolden uh, is another name where Clemson's made some strides. And so as we kind of move forward and you start to narrow down your focus on these 2024 kids, how does Clemson, Uh, what is the perception of a school in a program that continues to sort of stand uh, on the the side of, listen, we're going to develop you. We're going to bring you in. We're going to help grow you as a human being, as a man, uh, as, as a a student, as a student athlete. You know, we're going to do things maybe a little bit differently. And and how does that resonate? with high school kids across the country especially especially if other programs out there are constantly pushing into the portal and and look if you push into the portal one year you know I always say it here on the program right one brick doesn't make a house <laughs> but if 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 it's a year, consistently if you're like even even if we look at Ole miss they put out a video the other day I mentioned this that showcased all of the players that they had transferring in I mean it was a lot it was like wow but even if you said okay well that's one season and that's right it's only one and they may they may shy away from it in the future but if it's consistently that's what you do then does it ever start to bite you in the rear end and that's a development I'm anxious to kind of watch Look, we got to get out of here. We'll be back Friday, though. Final show of the week tomorrow. Can't wait to talk to you then. As always, y'all take care now. And go Tigers!